0: ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to Oventiff's 2021 third quarter results conference call. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Members of the investment community will have the opportunity to ask questions and can join the queue at any time by pressing star one. For members of the media attending in a listen-only mode today, You may quote statements made by any of the OVINTIV representatives. However, members of the media who wish to quote others who are speaking on today's call, we advise you to contact those individuals directly to obtain their consent. Please be advised that this conference call may not be recorded or rebroadcast without the expressed consent of OVINTIV. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Jason Verhaste from Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Verhaste.
1: Thank you,
2: Operator, and welcome everyone to our third quarter 2021 conference call. This call is being webcast and the slides are available on our website at oventive.com. Please take note of the advisory regarding forward-looking statements at the end of our slides and in our disclosure documents filed on CEDAR and EDGAR. Following prepared remarks, we, we will be available to take your specific questions. Please limit your time to one question and one follow-up. This allows us to get through more of your questions today. I will now turn the call over to Brendan McCracken. Good
3: morning, thanks everyone for joining us. Following our brief prepared remarks, our team will be available to answer your questions. We're pleased to announce our third quarter results. Our unique culture of innovation and discipline is driving value creation across our business. We're delivering on every aspect of our value proposition. We're in action on cash returns to shareholders. We're rapidly reducing debt. Our efficiency gains are fully offsetting inflation. We're generating superior returns on the capital we're investing, and that's resulting in significant free cash flow, and we're using our expertise and innovation to drive efficiency gains and lower emissions. We're committed to delivering this value creation directly to our shareholders, as demonstrated by our rapid debt reduction, share buybacks, and our recently increased base dividend. We reduced debt by over $400 million in the quarter to roughly $4.8 billion and we remain on track to see debt below $4.5 billion by year-end. Our leverage currently sits at 1.5 times, which is less than half of what it was at the start of the year. Based on our significant free cash flow of $480 million during the quarter, we are already in action on our new shareholder returns framework. This will see us return almost $150 million to our shareholders in the fourth quarter through the combination of share buybacks and our base dividend. We continue to maintain capital discipline and our full year 2021 capital program remains unchanged at 1.5 billion. Thanks to our team's ongoing efficiency gains, we have seen no erosion to our capital efficiency from inflation. In a few moments, Greg will share how our team is continuing to relentlessly pursue operational efficiencies and technical innovations on costs and drive out performance from the new wells we're drilling as well as from our base production. Performance remains strong across our assets and we continue to see the benefits of our multi-basin portfolio and multi-product commodity exposure. In early September, we announced our new capital allocation framework with a focus on value creation for our shareholders. Our business is capable of generating substantial free cash flow and over the next 10 years, we project about $15 billion of free cash flow at $55 WTI and about $21 billion at $65 WTI. With this robust outlook, we felt it was important to provide the market with a clear, transparent, and durable roadmap for how we plan to allocate that capital. We've had the opportunity to meet with many of our shareholders since announcing the framework, and the feedback we've received has been positive on our plan. First of all, we remain committed to running our business with lower debt. Not only does it drive costs out of the system, it also improves our resiliency during periods of market volatility. With that in mind, we set a new debt target of $3 billion, which at mid-cycle prices would equate to a leverage ratio of about one times net debt to EBITDA. The $3 billion does not represent a stopping point, and our capital allocation framework gives us the ability to continue to further reduce debt and take our leverage even lower. While debt reduction remains a top priority, we've made tremendous progress, and we're now in a position where it doesn't need to be our only priority. So starting last month, and until we reach $3 billion of net debt, we've committed to return 25% of the previous quarter's free cash flow after base dividends to our shareholders through either share buybacks or variable dividends. When we consider the total dollars involved at the 25% level, this level of cash returns is very competitive with our peers. The remaining 75% will be allocated to the balance sheet with a modest amount allocated to small, low-cost property bolt-ons. Once we hit our net debt target, which at today's prices could be as soon as year-end 2022, we plan to increase the shareholder return allocation to at least 50%. Our plan is underpinned by a reinvestment ratio of no more than 75% of cash flow. And in 2021, we'll reinvest less than 50. We've outlined the principles we'll use to make a value-based decision each quarter on which cash return option to use, either buybacks or variable dividends, based on the market conditions at the time. We currently view share buybacks as the best way to generate excess returns for our shareholders, and we're actively repurchasing shares in the open market. We'll continue to evaluate the value proposition of each option on an ongoing basis. I'll now turn the call over to Corey.
2: Thanks, Brendan. The details of our capital allocation framework for the fourth quarter can be seen on this slide four. We purposely built the framework to be clear, transparent and durable. We'll return almost $150 million to shareholders this quarter alone. 111 million of this will come through share buybacks and another 37 million through our base dividend, which we increased by 50% earlier this year. At almost 150 million, our planned fourth quarter direct returns to shareholders will be approximately six times the level of cash returns we delivered in each of the first two quarters of the year via the base dividend payments. We've been active in the market, and last month we repurchased 791,000 shares at an average price of $37.91 for about $30 million. We expect to complete the remaining $81 million of share buybacks over the remainder of the quarter. As we look ahead to next year, and see the significant free cash flow potential of our business, the magnitude of cash returns to our shareholders is compelling. On slide five, we've provided an outline of our potential 2022 shareholder returns across the commodity price landscape. At the $80 WTI and $4 Nymex prices, we see cash returns of about 13% of our equity value. On top of that, we would be reducing debt all the way down to the new $3 billion debt target and potentially beyond. At this time, we are using buybacks to return additional capital to our shareholders beyond the base dividend. While our share price has increased recently, we still see our intrinsic equity value, relative value and other key metrics like free cash flow yield strongly signaling value accretion through buybacks. We will continue to evaluate this return of cash method to make the best value-based decision for our shareholders. This corporate-level capital allocation framework is underpinned by the great work Greg and his team are doing on the operations side of the business. Strong production rates and cost control are keeping capital efficiency intact. This in turn is driving strong free cash flow generation and our ability to return more cash to shareholders. I'll turn it over to Greg for um, operational
4: highlights. Thanks, Corey. Q3 marks another quarter of exceptional performance from our operational teams. We continue to demonstrate our ability to fully offset inflationary pressures and deliver lower drilling and completion costs across all assets. Through the first three quarters, 2021 well costs are 11% lower than 2020. As you recall, we set well cost guidance for our core assets earlier in the year and have successfully met or beat those targets across the portfolio. In addition, we now have clear line of sight to achieving these well costs through the full year, reaffirming our $1.5 billion capital budget. These remarkable achievements are a testament to our unique culture of innovation. This culture has produced a 2021 capital program efficiency that is top tier among our peers. I encourage you to compare our well cost against others in any of the basins we operate in. We have been an industry leader in piloting and adopting new technology and processes to increase efficiencies and reduce costs across our assets. We are now in our third year of using Simulfrac and have made it a standard part of our operations. We were a first mover in the use of local wet sand in the Anadarko in 2019, and recently spread this application to the Permian Basin. We've been quick to progress new ideas and make them standard practice across the business. Our teams are continuously testing new technologies to find the next lever of innovation. Our ability to consistently generate industry-leading well costs is directly underpinned by our continued operational excellence. This has never been more apparent than in the third quarter. Starting with the Permian, We achieved a new record performance on a 13-well development in Midland County. These wells had an average lateral length of 13,500 feet, drilled at over 2,000 feet per day and completed over 3,300 feet per day using Simulfrac technology. In fact, 95% of our third quarter Permian completions utilized Simulfrac. We have also taken significant strides to quickly ramp up utilization of our Howard County sand mine. Nearly 50% of the proppant pumped in the Permian during the quarter was locally sourced wet sand. This is a significant increase from 2020 and nearly twice the amount pumped last quarter. Using wet sand generates an estimated $100,000 in savings per well. In the Anadarko, through optimized equipment design, increasing the number of wells per pad, and efficiently reoccupying older locations, we have made significant progress in lowering facilities costs. Facilities in the Anadarko are now approximately $300,000 per well, which is 27% lower than the 2020 average. In the Montney, the tangible strides we have made in operational efficiency are really paying off. Oventive not only drilled a company record lateral length of over 15,300 feet, but in the third quarter alone drilled three of the top five longest laterals in the basin to date. Also, 90% of our completions in the quarter implemented a new, optimized casing design that is generating savings of roughly $120,000 per well. Lastly, we are quickly hitting our stride in the Bakken and are delivering impressive operational results. With optimized well borne completions designs, we completed an average of 2,700 feet per day in the basin this year, 50% faster than the 2020 average. All of these examples really highlight the key drivers we are using today and continue to look to in the future to fully offset inflation and deliver lower cost. In addition to lower cost, our program capital efficiency this year has been supported by well productivity outperformance across the portfolio. In stack, the team continues to optimize completion designs which have led to significantly improved oil productivity. In the Montney, we have delivered industry leading well results across a range of product windows. This includes the eight well pipestone 16 of 27 pad It has produced an average of 993 BOE per day per well over the first 180 days of production, with 63% of this production being high-value condensate. Our cube development approach in the Permian is delivering consistent year-over-year performance while continuing to co-develop multiple horizons, test new zones, and optimize the value of our acreage. Lastly, in the Bakken, we're seeing continued strong deliverability from our kestrel pad, and are encouraged by the early time performance of our recent Reoccupy development. Oventive is truly delivering industry leading results across every discipline and throughout our entire portfolio. These results continue to improve and our culture of of innovation will allow us to further optimize our program and deliver additional operational efficiencies as we head into 2022. With that, I'll turn the call back to Brendan.
3: Thanks, Greg. As we look ahead to 2022, Ovintiv's leading capital efficiency remains a differentiator among our peers. We've fully offset inflationary pressures this year, and we expect to hold our capital efficiency flat into next year. Our cost reductions are the result of innovation and execution. These changes in our designs and processes make the savings permanent. Our culture is unique and feeds constant innovation, and this is not easily replicated. We also entered the year with minimal duck inventory, and we'll enter 2022 the same way. So our capital efficiency is truly sustainable and is driven by the tremendous efforts across the organization to deliver better wells for lower cost. We're optimizing multiple program levers as we refine our 2022 plans. These levers, to name a few, include longer lateral development, maximizing our use of simulfrac and locally sourced wet sand, as well as delivering quicker cycle times through more efficient drilling and completion operations. From base production optimization to supply chain management to drilling and completions efficiency, we're always looking at ways to deliver our production targets for the least amount of capital. And although, although we're still working on our twenty twenty two plans, we have a clear line of sight to remain maintaining a flat production profile for the same amount of capital investment. And we're highly confident we can deliver crude and condensate production of one hundred and eighty thousand to one hundred and ninety thousand barrels per day with one point five billion dollars of capital. We think capital efficiency will continue to be a differentiating factor in 2022, and we're positioned to be a leader among our peers. Our capital efficiency is underpinned by a multi-basin portfolio that provides stability and optionality to our business with with equivalent returns on invested capital across the assets. Our portfolio provides operational and commodity diversification, cross-basin learnings, and a decade plus of inventory at our current development plays. Each of these three core assets is set, each of our core three assets is set to generate over a billion dollars of upstream operating free cash flow in 2021 at current prices. This strong performance across the board demonstrates the return on invested capital we're seeing in each play. The ability to shift capital quickly in response to regional pricing dynamics, weather outages, infrastructure access, or other challenges is a competitive advantage for our business. We can do this without sacrificing returns to ensure we deliver on our promised corporate outcomes. This truly balanced multi-basin portfolio is unique in today's EMP landscape. We've also made significant strides in emissions reductions over the last year, and we're very proud to highlight our performance in this area. We recently declared full alignment with the World Bank Zero Routine Flaring Initiative And we announced that we expect to achieve our target for 33% reduction in methane emissions four years ahead of schedule. Tracking our emissions allows us to set targets and identify solutions to reduce emissions intensity. We've monitored greenhouse gas emissions for more than 15 years and have significantly decreased our emissions intensity during that time. Over the last year, we've enabled more proactive emissions management by establishing a digital emissions monitoring dashboard across our operations. We currently have line of sight to greater than 20% reduction in our Scope 1 and 2 GHG intensity by year-end 21, measured against our 2019 baseline. In 2022, we plan to further formalize our commitment to emissions reductions by setting a total GHG emissions intensity target which will be tied to compensation for all employees. Innovating in pursuit of efficiency is what we do best, and that includes continuously improving our emissions performance. Before we turn the call over to Q&A, I'd like to leave you with the key reasons we're confident we'll deliver superior returns on the road ahead. We believe we're one of the very best at producing oil and gas from shale, and what we're particularly great at is getting better at that all the time. We're intensely focused on making sure this capability translates into value for our shareholders. And we're committed to delevering the company, returning significant cash to our shareholders. We've just begun to execute on our new shareholder return framework, which we believe will deliver competitive cash return to our shareholders while continuing to rapidly reduce debt. We're committed to maintaining capital discipline and preserving our capital efficiency into 22. Our program is highly repeatable next year despite inflationary pressures. We're confident we'll keep our capital efficiency flat and deliver a production profile consistent with the second half of this year for $1.5 billion next year. Our multi-basin, multi-product optionality continues to be an asset and the competitiveness of our assets and the agility of our operations offer multiple pathways to deliver the best corporate outcomes and drive superior returns. And finally, we're committed to managing our business to deliver the products the world needs in a manner that is both pr- profitable and sustainable. This concludes our prepared remarks. Operator we're now prepared to take questions.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touch-tone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be held in the order they are received. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Doug Legate with Bank of America. Please go ahead.
5: Good morning. This is John Abbott uh, for Doug Legate. It's a busy morning. Looks like Doug's caught up on another call The moment. Uh, we have several questions. Our first question is on slide five in your presentation. It looks like sustaining capital break even has dropped on that slide. Can you confirm at what level and what has possibly changed?
3: Hi. Just having a little bit of trouble hearing you, but I think your question was around the sustaining capital. Uh, is that right?
5: That is correct. I apologize. I am on a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> nope. for Doug. yeah Doug's first Doug's first question is on slide five. Correct. Yes.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, they think this is um, a really key takeaway from the comments we've made here. I think we'll be one of the a uh, few companies that have provided some color on where we see twenty two shaping up. And one of the things we're seeing as a real advantage for us is this ability to hold capital efficiency flat year over year, um, which is um, giving us that profile you're, you're talking about. So you know this is something we've been working at for for quite a quite a while in terms of building this skill set. Um, we've got a very sophisticated supply chain organization. Uh, we've got an operating organization that is constantly driving efficiency gains that, that allow us to, to offset inflationary pressures or, or, or improve the returns that we're generating on the capital investing. So, you know, key operating initiatives like Simulfrac, Wet Sand, new casing designs, and the record completion efficiencies we're generating are, are keeping that uh, guide intact as we look out into 22 and, and generating sustainable through the cycle savings. Um, So maybe I'll just invite Greg to make a few comments on on the details of how we're making that happen.
1: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living, available to buy now wherever books are sold.
6: Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Super HeartChoose Heart Chews Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist-recommended beet brand for heart health support.
4: Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Yeah, as uh, as Brendan noticed, we, we or mentioned, we are uh, continuing to see some upward pressure on commodities, as as we've talked about in previous calls. You know, steel and diesel continue to uh, to rise, but but we're also uh, really proud of the team's efforts to mitigate inflation on other commodities, uh, such as sand. Our wet sand initiative has allowed us to actually hold uh, those costs flat or reduce over time, as well as how we're managing water, which is is uh, reduced uh, those costs as well. Um, as we think about the service side, you know, we're actively negotiating contracts for 2022. Uh, and while we are being asked for, for increases in some categories, uh, we're receiving bids in line with 2021 costs in some other categories. Uh, you know, n- notably, uh, on our recent FRAC RFP, uh, we've had uh, some folks come in with some really strong pricing that will allow us to hold our costs flat there. Um, but as we work with all of our vendors, we're looking for ways for both sides to become more efficient and keep our costs down. And that's how we uh, we really uh, believe we're going to be able to maintain that capital efficiency going forward. Uh, as Brenda noted, we've got a really sophisticated supply chain, uh, and that's allowing us to, uh, to not only maintain the savings we've we've you know, achieved in the past, but to hold those into the future. So, really, just in summary, you know, we've been able to offset inflation in 2021 with this approach, and we're confident we can manage inflation again in 2022. Uh, with uh, not only offsetting the inflation, but uh, improving the efficiency of our programs overall.
5: We appreciate that, color. And then for our second question, it's on Cat: the evolution of cash tax as you generate free cash flow over a multi-year period of time. How do you see that evolving, and how do you factor that into your break-even, your long-term break-even? Hey, John, it's Corey
2: Code here. So. As we model out the business, obviously the uh, the higher prices make make a big difference in terms of your cash tax horizon. But we're starting off with uh, 4.8 billion in NOLs in the U.S. and another billion three in Canada. So you know we're close to six billion of NOLs to start with, and we don't see ourselves uh, paying material cash tax. You know, still four or five years out.
0: Your next question comes from Yuming Cherere with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead.
5: Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my questions. Yeah, good morning. Uh, my first question was on the outlook. Um, can you give us any high-level thoughts around capital allocation across your asset portfolio, especially given your given the recent commodity strength? Do you see potential to allocate a little bit more capital towards an adako basin?
3: Yeah, no, appreciate the question. You know, the the great environment that we find ourselves in here today is we're seeing very strong prices across all three commodities that, that we have a big presence in. So um, that's driving returns uh, in, in each of the assets. Um, and so today, what we would tell you is that's something we'll look at as we're, you know, baking in the details of the 2022 plan but it doesn't look like it's going to create a material shift in in how we've been allocating capital. So I would not expect a a big shift in the product mix uh, for us in 2022.
5: Great, thank you. And then maybe more high level thoughts around the macro and also any factors you're evaluating which can allow the company to pivot to some growth. Thinking more like longer term, not 2022, 2023 and beyond. Once your debt level is down to sub three billion dollars. Uh, what are the incremental uses of cash flow which you see?
1: Uh,
5: and I, I, I would guess growth is also part of the consideration. Then.
3: Yeah, I think on the macro, um, you know, obviously there's a constructive setup there, but that's not really how we are forming our business plan and, and how we're running the company. You know, we we look at everything through a mid-cycle lens. Uh, and look at our ability to generate returns on invested capital through that mid-cycle lens. We think on the on the go-forward, you know, the, the the business that we're building is a free cash-generating machine, uh, and prices are going to go up and prices are going to go down, but we've got the ability to generate that free cash flow through the cycle and earn superior returns on, on the capital that we're deploying. I think on your, your debt comment you know, the way we've described the $3 billion is it's not a stopping point. And really one way to think about it is it's a tipping point on our cash returns. So uh, with the capital allocation framework that we've outlined, that's the spot where, where those cash returns uh, will increase to shareholders to at least 50% from the 25% that we're at today. So, um, you know, that's really how we're thinking about that. I think on your piece around growth, you know, I think that's, you know, an option down the road for value creation. But once again, I'd I'd bring it back to a focus on generating superior returns through the cycle. Uh, And so, you know, we're very clear uh, that while we're achieving our strategic priorities on debt reduction and increasing cash returns to shareholders, we're going to hold the business at scale. And and I would add further to that, we don't really see a call for growth uh, from our company today in the market. We've still got a lot of OPEC Plus spare capacity in the system, and we've got a world uh, economy that's still, you know, getting back to pre-pandemic uh,
5: demand levels. So.
0: Your next question comes from Neil Dingman with Truist Securities. Please go ahead.
7: Um, morning, I'll, um and maybe just a a fun little bit on the last question. Just you know, you guys have a, obviously a great inventory base that you know Greg has gone over as well. My thought on just you had had a great uh, Eagleford sale that helped um, sort of speed up and reaching your your debt goals. I'm just thoughts of various other potential non-core sales to go along with uh, you know your terrific organic free cash flow to get there.
3: Yeah, Neil. Yeah, good to hear you. Um, yeah, appreciate the question. You know this is something we're going to always be looking at from a value uh, proposition for the shareholders and today the portfolio we have is very much right sized for the scale of the business so you know with the eagleford divestiture we weren't investing capital into that asset and so it was declining and so the the cash flows were declining costs were challenging to hold and margins uh were challenging to hold so for us, that made sense to, to bring that value forward and be able to uh, accelerate debt reduction with that. I think today, you know, we, we think the portfolio we have is, is um, well-suited to our strategy. Each asset is delivering uh, competitive returns on the capital that we're investing there and is playing a key role in maintaining scale and maximizing the free cash flow generation that, that you're seeing.
7: Great, great details. And then maybe just one follow-up for Greg? Hey, Greg, you, you talked about the benefit of locally sourcing some of the wet sand. I'm just wondering, could you talk about any potential for more fully integrating you know, the process or you know, how you view it today? You guys have done a great job in sort of taking cost out where others have seen inflation, it seems like to me. And I'm just wondering, could you talk about is there ways to even more fully integrate that process to, to have even more cost savings? Or maybe could you just talk about along those lines?
4: Oh, sure. Neil, thanks. Thanks for the question. Um, so, you know, as we think about all of these uh, innovative technologies and processes that uh, we've been using over the last several years, um, you know, they always get better over time. As I think about SimulFrac, when we started it in 2019, um, we were using that uh, on a small portion of our program. We quickly realized that it could have application across multiple basins. And within months, we were spreading that across the, the entire portfolio and continue to get better with, uh, with that technology every time we go out on location. And, and now Simulfrac is really part of, of everything we do. About 85% of our wells this year will have been completed with Simulfrac. Um, when we talk about wet sand, uh, the, the exciting thing about that is it, it's got multiple benefits. It's, uh, you know, we're taking a process that traditionally was you took sand Uh, from a mine at distance you dried it you put it on a rail car you shipped it into the basin and then you trucked it the last mile to location only to get it wet again and put it back down hole and so for us it just made a lot of sense to take out all those steps it not only takes out costs, but it actually has a really nice esg impact we're reducing the emissions from drying the sand reducing the emissions from all the transportation that comes along the way and reducing the cost uh, over time, we've gotten better at that process. Um, you know, Our mines in, in Oklahoma that we've used, we're, uh, we're a slightly further distance away from location. Whereas in Howard County, I was actually out there uh, just a few weeks ago with the team, and uh, you could almost see the location we were fracking from the sand mine. So we're talking about just a few miles away, you're taking the sand and moving it over. Uh, and so we're, we're really getting better at that process. Um, I think the, the improvements you're going to see over time is just around logistics, getting more and more efficient. When you're talking about either simulfrack or wet sand, both uh, with the amount of volume we're able to pump in a day, um, that really requires a lot of synchronization between multiple teams within the company and externally. And our team just does an amazing job of, of maintaining. Uh, that those logistics and, and keeping ahead of of the, the frac jobs, and so I think you'll see us continue to get better and more and more efficient, fracking more and more feet per day. And there's also other technologies that we're trialing, other ideas. The team's coming up with new ideas every day that I think we're going to start integrating into our, our our programs, and then moving that around the company, just like we've we've been doing with cyamol and wet sand. Uh, the team is really good at collaborating and sharing ideas between multiple basins, so whatever ideas we come up with, they quickly get you know spread across the organization so uh, we 're not finished yet we 're just really getting started on showing how efficient we can be
3: Neil, maybe i 'd add one thing to greg 's comments there, which is an important uh, outcome you know you see us still setting pay setter costs in each of the assets that are t- fifteen to twenty percent lower than our average costs uh, across the board, and so that's telling us we've still got a lot of running room on efficiency gains with things we know we can do already today, Uh, and so that's quite encouraging for us and, and I think bodes well for the road ahead.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you do have any questions, please press star one. Your next question comes from Noel Park with Two for Brothers. Please go ahead.
5: Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Go go ahead, Noel. Are are you there, Noel? Uh, yes, hi. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, we can hear you now.
5: Okay, sorry about that. Um you you um earlier were talking about your your supply chain organization and um uh, also just now in the discussion about logistics. I, I'm just curious what you um, what they're seeing about where we might be in sort of overall supply chain challenges um, in the sort of COVID recovery cycle. Um, I was wondering if they, if they thought maybe the worst of the challenges are, are behind them or, or still might lie ahead.
3: Yeah, I'll maybe get Greg to, to provide a, co- a bit of colour there on trajectory, but, you know, this is the environment where that team is really valuable. So, their their ability to understand how the markets are working and be out in anticipation and, and work through some of those supply chain bottlenecks that clearly are impacting the global economy as a whole has been a real advantage for us uh, over not only this year, but but I think going forward. So, I don't know, Greg, if you want to give some comments.
4: Yeah, for sure brendan um i mean i think the first thing i would say is that you know our supply chain team has been at this for a while this is something we've been doing for for a decade now Uh, we were one of the first operators to unbundle services Um, i think we have a a better understanding of what it takes to not only uh, perform you know operations on location but all of the logistics that are required to get all of that equipment and material to location. So we've been doing this for a number of years, and the team just continues to get better and better. And I think that's why you've seen us uh, not only apply some of these new technologies such as Simulfrac at a faster pace than our peers, but it's really fully infiltrated our our programs just because of our ability to handle the logistics and the supply chain. I mean, as I think about what the pressures are going forward, I mean, uh, we, of course, as we've said, we're seeing, you know, issues around steel and diesel, um, but those can be mitigated by simply using less Uh, labor is a challenge. Um, you know, truck drivers uh, are, are in demand in our basins. But, again, if you get out ahead of that work, uh, if you have a level-loaded program like we do, you allow it allows you to provide consistent work for these people and develop longer-term uh, relationships that are win-win. So uh, we are seeing the pressures. There, there are challenges out there, but our team has been doing this for a long time, uh, and we're, we're up for those challenges. So we feel really good about uh you know delivering on the one point five billion this year and again next year uh, with our level loaded programs, it'll deliver that you know one hundred and eighty five thousand barrels a day in uh, finishing this year and going into next, so we feel real real good about where we stand great thanks
5: and um I a question about infrastructure you know we're kind of in this environment now of being lucky enough to perhaps look ahead and think about what was long-term 65 or $70 oil actually look like or, or uh, high gas prices as well. And um, as you look across the basin, I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts of um, – or maybe you could sort of rank them where if, if we do see industry activity uh, begin to ramp up uh, sort of at a steeper pace than it has so far um, – where do you feel like you have the most little room and and versus which areas do you think might be a bit more challenged more quickly
3: yeah yeah, noel, this is you know something that we've always had as part of our sort of basin evaluation criteria to be in places that are very well plumbed and so we don't see an infrastructure uh you know challenge in any of the basins that we're operating in. Um, today or, or for the, the near to medium term, uh, and so that's something that you know we were pretty deliberate about when we uh, chose to to get
5: into each of these spots.
0: Your next question comes from Lloyd Bryn with UBS. Please go ahead.
2: Hey guys, Brendan, how are you, Corey? Um, first, I'd like to just touch on the bolt-ons and may have missed your commentary because I jumped on a little late, but can you just talk a little bit about the types of deals you're looking at there and then the returns you're targeting in today's market?
3: Yeah, Lloyd, for sure. Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, the types of opportunities that we're looking at here are are, are low cost, small scale, accretive opportunities in the, in the uh, basins that we're already in. So these are things like you know, leasing acreage nearby our our existing positions, adding cash components to a number of the acreage swaps that that we've done over the years, um, picking up acres to lengthen our laterals, uh, increasing the working interest in uh, wells that we're already drilling. Um, So those are the types of, of opportunities that we're looking at. We're seeing them across the portfolio Um, And and you you mentioned how we'll look at evaluating them. We're looking for full cycle returns um, at mid-cycle prices. So so not at today's prices. We're looking for strong full cycle returns at mid-cycle where we can create value with our operating capability and our infrastructure footprint. Um, You know, I, I don't I can't. I don't expect that these things are going to be rateable uh over time but but that's the approach that we're taking and it's built into our framework and and we'll be very disciplined to that approach as we go and maybe the other thing i'd say here is this complements the organic uh renewal element that's already built into our capital program you know remember we have uh, over 500 locations this year that we're uh, assessing and appraising for um becoming premium locations uh, if we get more results and confidence in them and that's built right into the one and a half billion dollars of capital uh, that we're spending this year. So we think on the whole this is just good business to both organically as well as through bolt-ons be evaluating through the cycle and when we see accretive opportunities we'll act but it, but it's not a target. Um, you know we'll do it when we see the opportunity. we're not driven to it uh, uh, ratably.
0: Your next question comes from Arun Jerome with JP Morgan. Please go ahead.
7: Hey Brendan, uh, how are you? Um a uh, first question I wanted to ask you um was just uh, on the uh, potential inclusion in the S&P 400 uh index. I, I know that uh you know the management one of the strategies of the management team to read re-domest- domesticating the US was just to get more Index flows. So I wanted to see if you can give an update uh, on that process because I think the S&P was the last Indice that you're hoping uh, to join at some point.
3: Yeah, Arun. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, Yeah, appreciate it. Corey will maybe just comment on where we stand there. It's really an earnings piece.
2: Yeah, so for those that aren't familiar, there's sort of two earnings tests you have to meet. Obviously, we need to have... uh, positive earnings in the in a current quarter as well as be positive for the trailing 12 months and so if you look at where we're at today you know the last uh, sorry year to date we're positive I think it's 32 and then obviously we had a small loss this quarter with the um, with the hedge book so looking to Q4 uh, even with any positive earnings we'll meet both of those tests and then obviously the actual inclusion is at the S&P discretion which is Obviously, a little bit harder to predict. So, we think as soon as uh, the end of the fourth quarter, we can meet all the tests that are required. Great, great.
7: Thanks for that, Corey. Um, and just to follow up, uh, Brendan, we've been getting just a couple of questions on on uh, your thoughts around the motany, Obviously, since the BC uh, Supreme Court ruling, kind of mid-year uh, on the on on a First Nation. So, I was wondering if you could just you know give investors a sense of how are you thinking about uh, the Montney? Obviously, you have a diversified portfolio, and, and just how does that potentially alter how you're thinking about allocating capital to the Montney?
3: Yeah, no, maybe, maybe first off, just say the Motney is performing incredibly well. You saw us highlight the the free cash flow parity across the three assets. So, you know, it's very much uh, delivering uh, strong returns on the capital or investing there and, and performing well. I think, you know, on the 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 province and the Blueberry First Nation, we're watching that closely, but we're encouraged by the progress that's underway, uh, and and so
5: you know, don't see that as a, a material effect today.
0: There are no further questions. Please proceed.
5: Thank you, everyone, for joining us today and
2: for your continued interest in our company. The call is now complete.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day.
4: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today.